Amen. You can be seated. Pastor Joyce, if you could hand me my book and paper there. Thank you. Can you take this with you? Thank you. Amen. All righty. You guys feeling good this morning? I'm glad you're here. Wasn't that a beautiful time of just anointed worship, spending time in the presence of God? I love it. So if something catches on fire, please just let me know, okay? We got candles burning back there. Not an expert with candles, but we'll get there. All righty, well, this morning, I'm excited to share for you. It's going to be more of an uh, encouragement. How many of you know we're in a season of transition as a church? Less than a month, we're going to be going to two services. Uh, we're going to be adding in small groups, and then we're also going to be going live uh, we're actually going live right now, so can we just welcome our live audience watching on YouTube right now? Can we just give a big hand clap, welcome them? We're testing that out this morning. Camera adds 10 pounds, I could use it, so I'm not complaining. So this morning, we're going to talk about when God messes up our plans. Anybody ever been in a place when God has messed up your plans, whether you welcomed it or whether it just happened? I believe as a church and personally, God is wanting to mess up some plans in our lives because we know in our stubborn nature and our humanity, we can get in the way of what God wants to do. And so our heart as Christians, as believers, as spirit-filled, faith-filled believers is to have a posture before God and say, come and sit enthroned upon my heart. Even if that means messing up what I think's right, what I think I should be doing, sit enthroned in my life. I want to look at Proverbs 16.9, and this should be an encouragement for you. If you find yourself in a season of transition, if you find yourself like your plans are messed up, look what Scripture says and what wisdom says. It says, a, man, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. Anybody find that true in your life? We can plan, we can put things into place, but man, God is the one who directs our, directs our steps when we're under grace. So I want to read you a story that uh, kind of speaks to this and shares of this, and uh, I think you might catch on. Uh, it's a modern-day twist uh, to a biblical story, so we'll see if you can catch on uh, who our story is about. Uh, so uh, we'll put your brain to the test here. So our story is about a man named Jack. I just want to read it to you. It says, meet Jack. He's an older gentleman who spent most of his life in the rural parts of western Pennsylvania. Woody, that's probably around where you grew up, so. Everyone who knows Jack absolutely loves him. He's honest, he's straightforward, and he's as reliable as can be. He has a strong relationship with God, as well as he has always lived a virtuous and charitable life. After 37 years of working hard in the, in the lumber yards, Jack is entering a new phase in his life. He's getting ready to retire, that's a good season of life. There are some aspects of retired life that he absolutely can't wait for. Specifically, the slower pace and the relaxed lifestyle. Anybody say amen there? <laughs> Jack has longed to slow down and live a quieter life for years. And he's finally about to get his chance. On the other hand, there are some aspects, aspects that he isn't so excited about. Jack lives alone. He's been living alone ever since his wife passed away several years ago. 
He has three grown boys, but they moved out a long time ago. Jack is on his own now, and he needs to come up with a plan for the next phase of his life. It's always been in Jack's mind to serve God till the day he dies. He isn't content to just retire and play card games all day. Somebody said amen there. He wants to help others and be a blessing to others as long as God gives him the ability to do so. But he knows that he can't do it alone. He needs help. He needs a partner. So that's why he's been contemplating the idea of getting remarried. Not for the romantic involvement, but more for the companionship. He wants to find someone he can grow old with and with whom he can serve God. So he's been praying. And then he prays some more. And he keeps on praying. He doesn't want to make this decision on his own. He wants it to be God's decision. Somebody said amen there. Jack is perfectly satisfied living on his own, but he feels that he needs someone to support him if he is going to serve God in the long term. And while praying, he has felt God encouraging the idea as well, which makes sense. After all, Jack isn't getting remarried for selfish purposes. He's doing it so he can, he can better serve God. Jack feels good about the idea, and God has given him peace about it. And he's had even more peace after meeting Emma, a beautiful woman who also wants to dedicate her life to serving God. And oddly enough, Emma isn't too interested in romantic stuff either. This is a special couple right here. <laughs> so it's a perfect match. They both just want to serve God and dedicate their lives to him. So now the plan is complete. Jack knows how he is going to spend the rest of his days. He will marry Emma, and they will live a quiet, peaceful life. She'll take care of him and be his support, and he'll do the same for her. And they both will serve God till the very end. So fast forward. It's now one week before their wedding, and Jack has found out that Emma, hear this, is pregnant, and Jack's not the father. He knows it for sure. But this is like an episode of Mari we're about to watch. God has told Jack not to worry and to still marry Emma to help raise her child. Jack says to God, God, this wasn't a part of the plan. Now, three weeks before the baby's due, God tells Jack that he needs to leave western Pennsylvania, the place that he's lived his whole life, and move across country to Los Angeles. He needs to pack up his eight-month pregnant wife and all their belongings and drive their little hybrid hatchback across the country. Jack prays to God again. He says, God, this really wasn't a part of the plan. After living in Los Angeles for two years and just starting to get settled, God tells Jack that it's time for him to move once again. It's time to go back to Pennsylvania. But this time, knowing that the hatchback is on its last leg and can't handle another cross-country trip, Jack and his family are instructed to take the bus instead of driving. He looks to God one last time and says, that's it. My plan is officially ruined. God ruined it once again. So there's a little bit of Jack's story. If you didn't catch it, it's just uh, you change a little names, change some scenarios. We're talking about the uh, father of Jesus, Joseph. I think we can see a lot of similarities there. As, uh, and I just want you to look at Joseph's life, and I want us to look at some, some points and some clues and some principles through Joseph that when God messes up our plans, how are we to act or how are we to respond? Because he has a way of doing it. Someone said that God, uh, I heard him say that God uh, has a way of shifting the gear before we even sit in the, in, down to drive the car. God has a way of doing that in our life a lot. So looking at Joseph and Mary and, and in this season of Christmas, you know, it's really neat when you really study the history of 
Joseph and Mary and their relationship. A little bit about Mary. She uh, dedicated her life to serve God in the temple. And uh, what the culture and the time would look, like, look at when uh, Mary or any woman in the temple would reach of age, they would uh, be assigned or they would be given in marriage to an older man like Joseph. Now, Joseph is in his 80s. So that's why you caught there. There wasn't that romantic uh, sexual relationship between Mary and Joseph. It was more Joseph was a man of wisdom and able to take care of someone who has dedicated her life to God. And now because she's reached age, she has to leave the temple. So she was given to Joseph in, to be in marriage. And marriage, you got to take the Hollywood aspect out of it to really see the context of how this uh, relationship was happening. And so we see Joseph before... Uh, well, let me show you what the scripture says in Matthew 1.18, that this is when Joseph's plan was messed up. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make her a public example, funny thing about that is the law would tell you if you were to find someone either in adultery or in sin, you would throw them out and make a big deal and a big public example about them, embarrass them, humiliate them. That's what the law demanded of it. But don't you love, you can see why God chose Joseph right here. He was a man of wisdom and a man of mercy. And so it's, see, it, look what scripture says that uh, he decided not to make a public example of her, but he was minded to put her away secretly. So kind of put her away and think about the situation for a minute probably pray and ask God. So I believe as he was praying, look what scripture says. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So I can tell you, Joseph, you know, awesome. An angel appeared to me. Great. This is a plan of God. But how many of you know his idea of just serving God quietly and sailing off into the sunset of retirement, all of that was completely changed up for something that is probably the biggest uh, miracle that's happened in the history of humanity of what happened in that family. But if Joseph wasn't willing to allow God to mess up his plans, because God does not override our free will. Think if Joseph said, you know, I didn't really sign up for this. This is not going to be comfortable. I'm, I'm older. I can't take care of a baby. I am 80 years old. And here's Mary, a young girl, doesn't know a whole lot about life, but has a heart to serve God. And so you can see in Joseph's life, as we read about Jack, his plans were messed up. But it was God encountering him to mess them up. And that's, again, what I see God doing in our church. And what I see him doing in many of, of your lives as you're sitting here, as I've talked with you, God has messed up a lot of the plans in your life. But what we're going to see in a, in a moment, that it's not a bad thing. It's a God thing. And just as this mess up, as Joseph said, was conceived of the Holy Spirit, when you're under grace, you've got to seek in and seek God. Okay, God, if this is conceived of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to trust you in it. I'm going to be obedient in it. I can make my plans all day long, but you're going to direct my steps. So my heart, as we talk for these next few moments is that your trust level with God would increase, that you would trust him in the season of life that you're in. Because here's the truth. You put a ceiling over your walk with God based off the ability that you're willing to trust him. 
Wherever your trust level with God is the level your ceiling is in your walk with God over your life. So my heart is, as we're here together, that you would bust the ceiling up open of your life and you would begin to trust God in new degrees. Because there's something powerful when he comes and you give him access to mess up your plans and say, God, move and take me where you want to go. I've seen it happen in my life time after time. And I know many of you have seen it as well. So I want to look at uh, a few things of what this looks like. Because what it boils down to is at some point in our life, and really it's an everyday decision after we make the initial decision, is we have to trade our plans for God's plan. You know, growing up, I was a big collector of uh, Cincinnati Bengals autographs, sports cards, the Carson Palmer area. We got any collectors in the house? You, you, you collect autographs, sports memorabilia. Let me see your hands so make sure you see how I'm talking to you. Perlene, I didn't know that about you. That's awesome. So I can remember, this is what's funny is there was this store on 42 called Planet Collectibles. You might have uh, passed it at some point in your life. Uh, but a great idea, me and my brothers and uh, a lot of our friends, we love to trade these cards. So my parents always had the awesome idea. They knew we loved this. So they would give us like five bucks. They send this into the store for 20 minutes, and then they would uh, just sit in the car and have some time together, maybe run and go get a coffee. We would have never known because we were lost in the world of sports memorabilia. And man, we had five bucks, so we were going to get something good. So this idea of trading... We would literally go in. I don't even think you were allowed to do it, but we would take some cards and we would try to trade with the store owner. You know, we were 11, 12, and 13 trying to make trades with this guy who's trying to make some money. He loved when we came in because he makes some good money off of us. <laughs> but this idea of trading, trading what we want for what God's want, and the idea of any time you trade, you always want to try to trade to get something better. You've seen the phenomenon that took off a few years ago where I think a TV show happened of it where, okay, I'm going to start with this water bottle, and by the end of it, I'm going to try to end up with a guitar. I'm not going to bring any cash. I'm not going to bring anything else into it. I'm just going to find the right person where I can trade up and continue to trade up, and then eventually, I want to end up with something that's of value. You guys remember that TV show that was around a few years ago? The same idea is with God, is when we're in our journey with God, we got to understand that we're continually trading up, trading our plans for his plans, because usually what happens when we get comfortable in a season that's when God will usually come and start to mess some things up because he wants our dependence and our reliance. He wants himself to be enthroned in our lives. So with Joseph necessarily, it wasn't the nature of his plan was bad. And this is with many of us who've served God. Our, our hearts and our desires are to go after God, to serve him faithfully. The nature of our plans are good. But how many of you know that we serve a God who wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or think. So he comes to Joseph in his good plans, and he says, I want to I do something better. I want to change your good plans. They're good-natured. I want to change the size of your plans. How many of you know in that situation, Joseph had to trust God day in and day out, like we do when he comes and approaches us? So again, I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to write this down. Our first point, Sean, it should be in the back, is God's plan we have to know and be encouraged. It's simple, but it's so true. God's plan is always bigger than what our plans are. Always bigger than our plans. What do I mean by that? Well, in our humanity, we underst understand facts 
But how many of you know God understands possibilities? We see what is. We can see what's in front of us. But how many of us know God envisions what could be? God's a great visionary for your life. We use past data to plan for the future, but God uses limitless knowledge and foresight to command the present. I love that. So this is what God thinks and how he sees our, li- how he sees our life. His plans are always bigger than ours. Yeah. Number two is God's plan is infinitely better than my plan. Can anyone say amen to that? What we think is good or what we think is right or I'm going to move in this direction. His plans are always infinitely better than what we can draw up, what we can sit down on paper and do. You might have seen this in your finances when you began to tithe. I know I did. That I think, okay, I'm going to send this much money here and this has to go toward bills. This is going to go into savings. But when you see how God's finances and his kingdom work, that, okay, I'm going to start here and give God the first and then trust God with everything else. I'm going to trust his plan is infinitely better with my money than how I think and can write it up or what is going to bring me joy because the world says to find joy we have to get to a vacation or if we can just get to King's Island or if we can just grit through Monday through Friday and then man we got two days that we can just enjoy ourselves. How many of you know God's got a different plan to write joy into your life? So this is what I'm saying it's so much bigger every day every decision we make it's a conscious decision to say okay God I want to be in your will. And if I'm not in your will, I give you permission to mess up my plans. It's a dangerous prayer, but it's one that's life-changing. Again, ask Joseph. He went from retired life to changing diapers four or five times a day. God messed up his plans, but it was with great purpose. Here's what else we say is just our human nature. We look at the plan that we see God changing and messing in our life. Let me get a drink of this. We ask, why choose hardship when we can settle for comfort? Anybody ever ask God that? We also ask, why choose, why choose to serve others when I can have somebody serve me? Why choose giving when I can choose receiving? You know, it was funny as we were doing the Operation Christmas Child, we had our, our GPC kids up here. I was talking with my sister-in-law, Becca, and she was just saying that the kids were so ecstatic because halfway through, uh, up to halfway through, they thought that they were packing these presents for themselves. <laughs> they were excited, man, that, man, we are packing a lot of gifts and we're going to get these on Christmas. And uh, Becca was kind of hearing this and she kind of had to break the news to these guys that, hey, you know, you you got to realize you're not packing these for yourselves. We're actually sending them across the world, and they're going to be a blessing to people who don't get Christmas presents. And they just had that weird, glazed, confused look in their face. And then eventually, as they got some Christmas cookies and some hot cocoa, it's something to sink in. So again, we're always confronted with what our flesh always wants to move to what's comfortable, what's better. But that was the opposite of Joseph. He wasn't retired anymore. But he had great purpose and great destiny. And look at the age of what it was. And that's with all of you. If you feel that man, is God done with me? Can he use me? Look how he used Joseph because of his willingness to follow God's will, even into waters that were uncomfortable or that didn't make sense. So we have to, again, ask ourselves, why 
should we choose God's plan? You know, my prayer is, as I was praying and, and thinking through this message, is that you would see through our church, or at least you would see through my life, and my prayer is that people would see it through your lives, is one, that God is real, two, that God is relevant, and three, that God is rewarding. He's real, he's relevant, and he's rewarding. Our world needs to see a Jesus for who he truly is, that he's real in your life, that he's relevant in every situation. Because for some reason, if you ever catch yourself in a place, we compartmentalize that, okay, God really doesn't care about this area of my life. I'm just going to try to deal with it myself or how I know to do it. But God is so relevant in every situation, every decision that we make in our lives. And he just wants you to trust him to open up and say, God, I'm, I'm inviting you into the situation. As I said in our Holy Spirit series, we want to ask so much for more of the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit, when the first question is to say, God, I'm going to give myself over to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to surrender to the Holy Spirit. What did we say last week? God cannot bless what we're not willing to surrender. That's why that song was so powerful. Sit enthroned upon my heart with everything that you are. We can't, we, we can't be cafeteria Christians. We can't choose to pick out what we want, what we don't like. We're guilty of it at times. But we have to choose to embrace the fullness of faith. That's why Advent is four weeks out. Because Christmas, you just can't prepare on Christmas Eve. If all of y'all had to wrap all your presents, some of you do, and I give you kudos. If you had to wrap all your presents, you get the Christmas tree out, you get everything together, you cook your meals, you put no preparation except for Christmas Eve, it would be a hot mess on Christmas Day. But there's something amazing when you can take four weeks before Christmas and you can get the fullness of what this season or what this is, the church would understand it, is a feast and how you can prepare your heart in every area of your life to receive the fullness of Christ. That's my heart for all of you, is that you would prepare and receive the fullness of Christ, that you would know him in his fullness. You would know the power of God in its fullness. But how many of you know that God's plan, though it's harder, it's still going to be rewarding? Because we know anything that's rewarding or good in life, there's always a back-end cost to it. Always a back-end cost. To move forward in Christ, to take that next step, there is always a back-end cost to it. Look at what Scripture says, and it should encourage you. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, The eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Fact check. God does not think the way we think, Right? So many times we want to say, okay, God, you just, you understand the intentions of my heart. It's all about the heart. Yes, but there's a cost to it where we have to again say, God, I want you to think like me. That's the wrong answer or that's the wrong question. We need to say, God, allow me to begin to think like you. Sometimes we just want to say, God, just get it. You see what's going on. I want you to get it. But no, the tough side, the cost side of it is I'm going to get in my Bible I'm going to get up a little early and pray to begin to get the mind of Christ formed within me so I can begin to think like Christ in this situation. So again, Joseph found this truth out that when you allow God to mess up your plans, you can see that he can take a good plan and he can make it a great plan. He can take something that's just ordinary and make it infinitely better. 
but we have to be willing to surrender to it. You know, I think again of my life where I was in that place that so many young people are before they decide to sign up in $60,000 of student debt and go off and conquer the world in college. That I had to decide, okay, am I, I feel this call to go deeper into God, but I really like business. Making money's fun. But how many of you know God usually has different plans for your life? So there was that wrestle within me at that time in my life, as many of you have been in a wrestle. And we have to say, okay, God, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. I'm not necessarily even going to trust the plan. I'm going to trust the one who gives the plan. That's the key there, is whatever your plan or whatever your path is looking like right now, don't put your full trust in that. If you put your full trust in the giver of the plan, that's where there's going to be peace to trust God to wherever he leads you, however he transitions you, repositions you. So that's what we see through Joseph, is that he chose to trust, trust God, the giver of the plan, not the plan in and of itself. Because how can you even know what to do to raise the son of God? How, there's no book for that. I mean, a lot of the times it's funny, but you think about just the normal day-to-day life. Those of you who have raised kids, you know how it is. But imagine that you're raising the Son of God who was born of the Holy Spirit, who's going to be the Savior of the world, that for hundreds and hundreds of years he's been anticipated to come. And here's the Son of God put in our lives, and he's entrusted us to raise him, to nurture him, to care for him. Think about that. Think about the beauty and the awe and the wonder that Mary and Joseph must have felt and just the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why did they have those feelings in those times? Because they traded their plan for God's plan. And that's my heart for you this morning is that you would just take a moment and evaluate your lives this Christmas season and ask, am I in the will of God? Am I following God's plan for my life? Or am I following an easy path? Or am I following a comfortable path? You can ask that in your marriage. You know, we think about being saved. We ask, okay, we wake up, am I saved today? I want that assurance in my life. The same as if I were to wake up every morning and ask, Bri, am I married today? I don't know if I'm married today. You have, to, you have to invest into it. You have to work at it. You know, marriage just doesn't happen. It takes being Intentional. It takes getting up and letting the dog out and bringing her a cup of coffee even before she wakes up. It takes doing things intentionally. The same is with God's word. Your relationship never really stays stagnant. It's either you taking the reins and moving forward in it or there's just going to be a regression and then you're going to start to feel, God, why aren't you here? Why am I not feeling your presence in my life? Why isn't there grace to raise my kids or grace to love my spouse? Again, know about the plan of God. Eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Two scriptures I want to leave you with. Hebrews 11.6. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You're never going to be let down when you put in the grind, when you put in the effort to go after God. He's a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. How many of you want the reward that comes when you sincerely seek God? 
you know, Akia, you just raised your hands. Kathy, our Zion Christian Academy director, just sent me uh, a picture yesterday. And Kathy had taken in three of her nieces and nephews, and uh, they had got to come to the school here for a while. And Akia recently started working here at the school, and an awesome four-year-old teacher. And she is, uh, her and all the other teachers are getting ready for our three- and four-year-old Christmas production. If you've never come, it's awesome. Um, but there was, you might have saw the video on Facebook, but man, Akia was teaching these kids just how to lift their hands and say, God, we praise you. God, we love you. God, we worship you. And this picture got sent to me of little Ben, who, was growing, who had to be pulled out of a toxic situation and how he was put into an atmosphere of the presence of God and how he, you would just see his little hand and his hand over the heart saying, God, I praise you. God, I love you. You know, when you see a little childlike faith, it just makes you, oh my gosh, I just want to squeeze you. I love you. But there's something about when you just surrender in an atmosphere like this and you say, God, I want your will. I want your plans for, for my life. I want you to sit enthroned upon my heart. Last scripture is Psalms 125.1. says that those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. You know what's neat is I didn't realize till somebody point, pointed this out. But when the school was started, I believe, Lisa, is that this was the scripture that was on the bottom of all the letterheads. That those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. When you trust the plan of God in your life, there is confidence that comes with it. There's assurance. There's steadfastness. You'll be as secure as Mount Zion. Again, trusting God is one of the most powerful things you can do in your entire life. So in faith this morning, I just want us to stand. I want us to take a moment and I want us to sing, sit enthroned upon my heart this morning. Sit enthroned this Christmas season. Why don't we just ask God, God, don't let this just be another Christmas season of all my fun, awesome family traditions. But God, I want to rip open the doors and the walls of my heart and have you come and settle in my life. Have, let's make a home this Christmas for God to come and live, to come and dwell. If you bow your heads, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the plans that you have for our lives personally and the plans that you have for us corporately, God. God, I pray for us personally right now that we would let go, as Bree said, not come before you with clenched fists, but God, we would come before you with open hands. God, we ask Jesus that when we repent, when we approach you and surrender, God, we take accountability for the sin, the weakness in our life. We understand that it's just not hearsay or it's okay here, there, but we see sin as a disease that hinders our relationship with you. And the only thing that could ever solve that or heal it was the blood of Jesus Christ. So Father, we thank you that when the blood of Jesus touches our life, when we say sit enthroned, God's sin is broken over our life. Healing can come and make us holy, set us apart for us to walk in your plans. Right now, we lift our hands. Let's just say, God, I give you permission to mess up my plans. I trust you. I give you permission to mess them up. And as you mess them up, I'm going to trust not the plan, but the giver of the plan. 
So we sing this in faith, sit enthroned upon our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus.